Also, really quick before we get started, I wanted to thank everyone checking out the podcast. You know, the other day, within like two and a half days, I had 10,000 downloads. I wanted to thank each and every one of you. There's tons of podcasts out there. And so I hope I'm providing entertainment, some education, some inspiration. So check out my Instagram, just tag two friends in that specific post. And I'll be giving away two copies of my book, uh, six wraps and two sticker packs to just 10 random friends as a thank you. So just really appreciate you guys. Hi, this is Danielle Katraki, also known as DQ from Outside. I am the COO of Outside, bringing all of our great brands under one universal umbrella, building the world's home for the active um, enthusiasts. I'm here joining Training for Ultra podcast, and I'm excited for you to join us today. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man. So you keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep inspiring. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey everyone, it's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? I decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. Welcome to episode 189 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. We have a great episode. You know, I've seen within the outdoor community, within the outdoor media world, Outside Inc. making some really cool moves and, and really changing up things. I mean, they're under new ownership. And so I wanted to reach out to them to really hear more about what's taking place there. And then, you know, I found out that the president and COO of Outdoor Interactive, I think is their new name, is a runner. So I was like, well, this is perfect. I have to have him on. And that is the genesis of this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Danielle, thank you for joining me. I've, you know, looking into your background, I'm just amazed that you are in 150 articles out there like it was i had to dig a little bit and um you've definitely been interviewed before but um just really thankful to have you on this episode i know you're super busy and uh just really appreciate you taking the time absolutely thanks for having me so i'll start off the episode with i've timed this out so my wife has the two kids they're going to the park i shouldn't get too many interruptions how's your side How's your side of things? Is it okay? Uh, I would say at any minute, my kids be be coming home from school. Uh, They may interrupt us, so I apologize up front because they're um, definitely used to coming and finding me uh, as soon as they come through the door. I mean, I haven't heard dogs barking. Like, I just, I don't know how you do it all. Um, So I'm, I'm excited to hear more about your running background and just... 
how you go day to day. Are you are you currently president and CEO of Outside Magazine? Is that correct? Yes. Or Outside Media? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we call ourselves Outside Interactive is is okay. the um, overarching name, but yes, we are Outside, also known as Outside Magazine. Um, but to just give you a little context, you know, we've acquired a number of uh, companies that um, enable folks in either endurance, um, outdoor adventure, in the healthy living sector um, to be inspired and um, gain knowledge to do their activities um, day in and day out. And so our jobs is to really enable those people um, or new people to the sports um, to participate. And that is what we're creating um, under a membership umbrella at Outside. So that is part of the reason I reached out because as researching it, I kind of saw the exact same vision um, that you guys are working on. Like it, it made a hundred percent sense to me what, what you guys were doing. And I was like, I got to talk to these guys. Like it's, it's been a while. The running community a few years back had kind of like a weird not falling out with outside, but there was the trail runners article that rubbed a lot of trail runners the wrong way. But then seeing that you're like totally changing, you're under total new ownership. Um, have you changed headquarters too? You're now based out of Boulder. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so our um, headquarters is Boulder, Colorado. Although we have maintained um, the majority of our, um, other companies headquarters as well. So outside magazine, um, is still in Santa Fe and we'll continue to reside there. Um, and we have employees now actually all over the world. Um, so we have really adopted that, um, d dispersed and remote workforce, but having a, um, kind of, I would say corporate headquarters here in Boulder, Colorado. Very cool. I mean, so has, have you had, is COVID like reworked things tremendously for you or have you guys always utilized outside writers and creatives to the point where this isn't too different? And I, and I do recognize that you took over things kind of, what was it, late 19 mm -hmm. or was it early 20? I'm trying to remember. No, no. Well, it started like right before COVID. Pretty much. I mean, we... Yeah. We started, um, it started as Pocket Outdoor Media, so uh, which held our endurance brands of women's running, Velo News Triathlete, um, for example. That was, yeah, leading December through, I would say, um, up until uh, clearly March. And then um, most of our, or all of our acquisitions, though, from then on, was all during COVID. So we've acquired about... In total, around 13 different companies and entities uh, throughout this entire uh, pandemic. I mean, I I like, uh, try truly like everything you guys are doing, and it's fun to kind of follow along and try to anticipate what you guys will do next, what acquisitions right. will come up. Um, let's take it back a little bit. When did you start running? Because Initially, I reached out and outside was like, well, our CEO is more into like mount or mountain biking, cycling, that yeah. sort of stuff. And they're like, 
you talked to Danielle. She she's the runner. She's super talented with running. Um, when did you start? Have you always been a runner? Well, I started. Um, I would say I fell into it in high school. I started actually as a swimmer, um, but enjoyed. I guess running um, around the track, believe it or not, more than I liked being in the weight room when I was a swimmer. And so my coach would give me the choice and I would go out to the track. And just like most cross country or track coaches, if they see someone actually running (laughs) and enjoying it, they recruit them for the team. And so I got recruited to join the cross country team that following or actually was i take that back track season that spring um and it was one of those things that i just tried and fell in love with and i didn't know what i was doing i would just follow whoever was in front of me around the track um and they kept you know moving me up because they they saw um that i was better at the distance races so by the end of uh, my junior year actually of um high school is when I really turned into a runner um, and really fell in love with it even further when I was able to join the cross country team because I liked being outside of the track, of course, you know, going through the woods or going through the fields um, and I was hooked. And so I was fortunate enough to go to a University of Oregon um, summer camp uh, that junior year, um, leading into my senior year and met the coach there, um, Tom Heinen at the time. And he suggested I should, um, think about university of Oregon. Um, little did I know it was a running Mecca. I had no idea because I did not grow up as a runner in that sense. Um, I went and learned, you know, all things prefontaine and, um, the amazing runners there and, um, created some, you know, great friendships, was able to compete at, you know, a, a top level. Um, and then, um, from there, I was fortunate enough when I started working for Nike, um, you know, they obviously foster a very, you know, running culture, athletic culture, and I just continued to improve post-college and, um, to, you know, to the point where it led me to a fairly highly competitive level, um, which ultimately um, was the Olympic trials and the marathon. And so I just, um, you know, continued to move up in the distances and figured out how to race smarter and keep my body healthy and um, felt, yeah, had a, a fairly successful running career at the same time while I was working. Um, and having children. <laughs> yes, yeah, speaking of which, if you need to go say hi to the kids. Actually, there's one right here. It's no problem at all. Just can um, you wave? Say hi. She's yeah. home from school. How's it going? Okay. She, she M- probably can't hear me. No, right. Mommy will be done. Use this for now. Okay. Sorry about that. No, I mean... If she could, if she could hear me, I would have been like, oh, uh, yeah, that's right. I, I need to hear outside perspective on super mom here. Um, <laughs> so where were you growing up in high school? Was that in Boulder? No, um, okay. my husband's actually from Boulder. I was in Woodenville, Washington, 
which is okay. a suburb outside of the Seattle area. If you've heard of Bellevue or Redmond, where Microsoft is, Woodenville's right next yep. to Redmond. So, yeah, that's you, where I was competing or you running. You were running on the track, living in that area. Yep. I mean, had you explored the trails at all or no? Nope. Okay. I was a total swimmer. And like I said, the, it was my only way to avoid the weight room. I thought the weight room was so boring. So I would, while my team members were doing that, my, um, I would go run laps around the track. Were you a swimmer like in the pool only or did you guys? Just the pool. Would you go, okay, just the pool? Yeah. And I mean, you progressed pretty rapidly so you must have been getting in pretty good routines i'm assuming and building consistency and i mean were you injury prone tell me about getting to the olympic trials because yeah. that in itself is a book or a series of podcasts yeah i would say um i don't know if it was because i started running later um and not having maybe as much of a foundation of some of my competitors but injury definitely in college in particular was a real deal for me i i wasn't used to training um at that level of mileage and and i would say more importantly just the intensity of the workouts um so i i definitely had a hard time in college just getting my body to um, yeah, click with, I, you know, I'd have stress fractures. Um, and, and so I did a lot of cross training. Luckily I was a swimmer, right. Yeah. Um, and, and so I had some really great breakthrough races, but I would say I never got the full consistency. It wasn't until after college where, um, I, I worked with a couple, um, uh, doctors that actually more worked on my hip alignment. And my left leg was slightly um, offset or shorter than my right, so it needed to be offsetted. And that actually was the unlock to being able to run consistently now for years injury-free. And I felt like the more, obviously, with each marathon and racing, that's when my, you know, fitness would build. And then it just kind of continued and progressed from there. So once I found that consistency... I was able to really um, train at the level to to improve, and I since I kept improving, then of course that became my obsession of I wonder how fast or how far I could go by working hard. And so, was that correction done through your shoes? Was that done through working the muscles differently? And um, back then, it was definitely with a, a small like cork lift on my left side. I would say what I've learned over the years, though, now um, that a lot of that can be adjusted by strength training and um, certain stretching and working with, you know, I have um, a chiropractor I see now once in a while to um, adjust my alignment because I was scanned to see if I had a true leg length discrepancy and I did not. And so once I was, um, I think, completely done with my um very competitive running. I wanted to work on the muscles that I needed to. So that wasn't a dependency on my running. And so, you know, that's been, uh, over eight years now where I don't have to use a lift, but I use, I work on the strength training to make my, um, everything level. If, 
if that's what it's you want. It's a little ironic. Yeah. Like, you escape the gym to get onto the track, and then the track is taking you sort of back into the gym a little bit to right. put things in balance. Mm-hmm. Um, where do kids come into this story? Because you have three, is it young daughters. girls? Yep. Daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, where do they fit in? Um was this before the Olympic trials or after? Or where did they fit in? Um, actually, I was competing. Um, actually, I would feel like I was at the peak of my fitness while I was um, having children. So um, I certainly had my first one in um, Lila in 09. Um, and I was... Yeah, at some of my top competitive years then, and that's when I, um, I think, had it, knew it in me that I could qualify for the trials, um, and so I was um, racing on the track, you know, doing half marathons. I actually took Lila to the New York Marathon when she was six months old and started as an elite and actually... Um, you know, wow. I was still breastfeeding at the time and competed and actually had a great race. It was my first race back. And, you know, I didn't have any time expectations, but I walked away with maybe like a 251 or something um, or so, but felt amazing. Again, I just, you know, did it to see where I was at. Um, and yeah, and then I, from there, I knew. You know, I was getting back into shape after having her, and so I continued on. And then I got to a point where, um, actually, in October of let's see, Nora was born in 2010, so um, right before I was um, got pregnant with Nora, I actually ran the Twin Cities Marathon. Um, so it might have must have been the tail end. And, um, I ran a two forty five thirty, I believe something right wow. around there and just missed it by 30 seconds. I could be off 30 seconds or so. I, I lose track, but anyways, I missed the trials by 30 seconds. Um, and I crossed that finish line, but to be honest with you, I chose to, instead of try again, that we were going to have our second child, um, or, you know, get pregnant, have our second child. And so, but I knew as soon as Nora came along that I was going to just qualify for the trials because I knew I could. And so, um, I actually did, and it was, I qualified for the 2012 trials and I took them both with my husband and my mother-in-law to the actual event. Um, and so they, I had two children at the time. When I had my third, that's when I decided I was done at that level. <laughs> now you just have to go longer. Not right. Faster. That's what people tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and not to be like overly cliche here, but does childbirth change your self-perception of pain? Does it make you a better runner? Because if you can handle that, you can handle, you know, your legs feeling like they're just completely dead. Like, you know, mm-hmm. does childbirth help running or is it, is it like a different perspective on life? Just yeah. being thankful for the opportunity to get your training in that sort of thing. Yeah. I would say it was more the latter. I think, um, 
having children has just been um, one of those things where because I need to be there for them and I wanted to do running, I was really good at focusing on the task at hand. So if I had to show up for a workout with, with my coach, I showed up to do my workout and make the most of it so I could immediately go home and then be there for what they needed. So it be, made me the, um, of course, an extreme multitasker, but I would say a very focused multitasker based on the task at hand. And so I would say, you know, I've loved the balance. I, I think I even became a better runner with children because I, I didn't focus then all my mental energy on running because I didn't have time to. And I actually think that helped me become a better runner because I didn't stress out about what my workout was or what race I had coming up or whatever, I because I was focused on them. And so when I'd show up, I was all about, okay, this let's get it done. I wanted you great, and then I can go home. So that's where I feel like um, I really appreciated that kids, believe it or not, even though it's a lot of work um, to do all things, because I was, you know, I also worked during all of this, just gave me a balance. So I wasn't all about one thing. I mean, I joke that for every kid you have, you give up half of yourself. Um, but I only have two kids. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I completely relate to you. Oh, my gosh. I haven't heard someone explain it like that before on the podcast. And it's one of the more common questions I get is like, how do you balance everything you're doing? Because I work a job, but, you know, dad, husband, mm -hmm. and then doing podcasts and training and everything else. And I honestly have more difficulty when I have nothing to do. Like my creativity goes down the drain. If I have like a whole empty day without things lined up, I'm not creative. I'm not productive. Like it really all falls apart. Are you very similar? Like if you're not barraged with 50 emails every hour, you feel like life's out of balance somehow, as weird as it sounds? Um, yeah, I definitely like a full day. I wouldn't say I love a day full of email, but um, <laughs> how I, you know, to this day, I'm just wired to get up and do my exercise, which is primarily running. I still swim once or twice a week. And I run, you know, anywhere from um, seven to nine miles every morning um, for the most part, and then longer on the weekend. And I, you know, one, I have a very, um, you know, I'm very fortunate that my husband is very supportive of our lifestyle of, um, of that. Cause he does a lot of the morning duty, if you will, with some of the kids just to get them getting ready for school. And then by the time I get home, I just, you know, make sure they've packed their bags. Okay. And, you know, do a braid and a hair from time to time before they um, are off to school. And then, yeah, my day starts then with work and it's all about, yeah, maximizing my time um, and helping my staff. Um, and, and then of course, after a full day of that is coming home. And um, sometimes I even catch a yoga class on the way home and just to kind of ground myself and the adjustment from work to family life again. And then we do the whole nighttime routine, homework, you know, dinner, socializing and, you know, hearing about their day, 
reading books, um, you know, fighting over electronics, you know, the typical <laughs> parent dilemma. Yeah. And then, yeah, I enjoy my, you know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes of TV time after they go to bed just to veg out. And then I do it all over again the next day. So I do take a lot of, I would say my busyness energizes me. And I too struggle when I maybe have too much unstructured time um, on my hands. Maybe I'd become an ultra marathoner if I had more time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you probably put in more miles than I do. Um, What I, what I think is fascinating. I mean, it sounds like you meditate. First of all, start with that one. Do you meditate if you have time? Because yoga is kind of like meditation yeah, in a sense. I, I would call it more like active meditation. Like I wouldn't, where I would have a hard time with meditation again, I think is the sitting still component. So power yoga actually is the perfect balance for me because it is active, it's warm, it's stretching, but I still feel like I'm getting some of that strength. So, But I feel like I've meditated when I've completed that. Do you meditate while you run? Um, Is that a stress reliever for you? As opposed to when you started, it was clearly breaking your body. So it was a stressor more than a stress reliever. Is it now a stress outlet? Oh, 100%. I look at it as first and foremost, yes, it it grounds me and gets me ready for the day. So I, I either, if I'm running alone, I, there are days where I'm, just, you know, letting my mind go. And I think through sometimes work problems, um, schedules for the kids, or I think about, you know, not much of anything. Sometimes I just need the music um, just to let my mind um, not think about much. And then there's times where it's actually my social outlet because, because of my busy schedule, I don't have a ton of time to be super social. Um, but I have a lot of running friends. So, you know, throughout my entire life as a runner, I take a lot, I get a lot of energy from my running friends. And we talk about life, we talk about, you know, our kids, uh, work problems. And, um, and then I I get really energized by, um, you know, that level of friendship and time I have with them. How many times are you running where ideas pop into your head either this is the perfect person for this or this Mm -hmm. article or this story needs to go here like where it just is out of nowhere and maybe you're on the trails wherever you're running maybe it's a treadmill for all i know um how many times does that happen because for me it happens all the time where i will be in flow and then an idea will just pop into my head I mean, I get, I've gotten to the point where I dream and I'm probably working in my sleep. <laughs> Last night I, I had a, like a, a horrible nightmare where I was like, I'm interviewing Addie Bracey about winning Run Rabbit Run. And she goes, Rob, like I didn't even win Rob, Run Rabbit Run. I was like, oh, how did I totally mess this up? <laughs> um, <laughs> do you do you do work like... Do you do you have ideas that pop in your head while you're running? And then are you working your sleep too, as weird as that sounds? Um, I would to- say definitely running. I plan a lot, either plan presentations, 
Um, I practice, I may not be talking out loud, but in my head, I'll practice maybe speeches I'm going to give to our all company meetings. Um, or I try, I problem solve a lot. Yeah. I, I, I would say I wouldn't accomplish actually, I feel like as much as I do at work, if without that run in many cases, cause I've, I've worked through a lot, um, sleeping, I would <laughs> that say was a weird self projection. No, I'm sorry. I, no, sorry. I would say sleeping for me is different. I'm, I, the days where I'm anxious about something, that's when I probably fi- try to find ways to tune out all things work. Um, but a lot of I sleep really <laughs> soundly for most cases. So I, um, yeah, do very little problem solving. Are you getting Are you getting eight hours of sleep just to get totally personal, like? Yeah. Are you doing eight, eight, and eight like the the holy trinity that Einstein set up? I think was first person I read. It was like work eight hours, do eight hours of what you want to do, and sleep for eight hours. I mean, I do pretty good. I would say I wouldn't say I consistently get eight, but I'd say at least consistently seven. Um, just oh, to, that's great. Yeah, um, as long as I've not haven't gotten too far into it you know, some kind of Netflix show and I need to just t- turn it off. Um, but no, I, I do because I, that's, that's how I feel energized for the next, you know, day and sleep's very important for recovery as you know, most athletes know, but I actually think it's important for work too. Um, cause I mean, I've had days where I haven't slept well and I just am kind of miserable throughout the day. I am not creative <laughs> and uh, I'm kind of just counting down the hours until I actually get to go to sleep so I can feel better the next day. I mean, I'm like hyper creative from like 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. Basically. Okay. That's like the only time where I can like really harness creativity. I can work very hard, you know, the rest of the day, but creativity for me is a morning thing and it's interesting because running is a very morning thing for you right um it's just fascinating people want to know more about your work life you work for this this little you know this little company that uh everyone loves like it's a part of a lot of people's lives the media articles content that you put out affects people's lives Mm -hmm. um to the core like it really inspires them to get outside in whatever regard um in whichever way they choose i want to hear more about your day-to-day like at work is are you able to escape are you in the office the entire like eight hours of of a typical work day like i just i want to hear a little bit more about that yeah so i would say we're not that little anymore. We're close to 500. I was, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> 570 employees, I think, and, and growing. Um, and you're right. Like, you know, our job is to help inspire um, our audiences. Let it be maybe a broader audience, like Outside Magazine, to um, more of our niche publications, like Fellow News. Um, or the pink bike community and mountain biking. And so 
there's definitely a lot going on. Um, and not to mention just the integration of all of us coming together and building a membership platform. But my day-to-day, outside of starting with a run, of course, um, is certainly spent um, in a variety of ways because we do have this, a great office here in Boulder. So I have recently started to go in more often. Um, but uh, I still spend a lot of time on Zoom, as you can imagine, um, not not just because of COVID, but, but also our just dispersed um, employee base. But it's anywhere from planning a, you know, strategy sessions for 2022 to um, working through a user experience, um, you know, to help convert, you know, our audiences into membership to um, helping staff and mentor them um, and help them um, also troubleshoot and grow as individuals to working with, you know, our, my peers or, um, and other um, teams to make sure that there's alignment so we know, you know, what our key projects are and, you know, what do we need to um, accomplish as it relates to our goals. So I would say, particularly as we've grown, I've worn many hats. Um, I operate at all different levels of the organization, but I would say that's what makes me thrive is um really getting our teams to work uh, well together, um, to share different points of view, um, and bring a a new level of understanding so we can accomplish our goals together. And uh, I I work really hard to lead that way. I think part of that might come from many years of being coached in running uh, um, and what's worked for me in those different coaching relationships. So I try to bring a lot of that um, you know, to the staff at outside. I'm Ethan Wayne, director of the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. And I'm Molly, the race director for the John Wayne Grit Series. My father, John Wayne, asked my family and I to use his name to help find a cure for cancer. So we started the Grit Series. It's a series of 5Ks, 10Ks, and half marathons that take place in the most beautiful and rugged landscapes across the Southwest, including places where John Wayne shot some of his most famous movies. That's right. And all the race proceeds go towards cancer research and prevention programs. We're asking you to join us and bring your courage, strength, and grit to the fight against cancer. For more information on a race near you, visit us at johnwayne.org. That's johnwayne.org. Stay dusty. Big thank you to Exoskin. So they have a new t-shirt. It's 100% cotton, two colors, black and neon green with white logo on the front. And a hashtag show us your skin and at Exoskin USA on the back. They are $26.50 each without a discount available, but still just really appreciate their support. So check out the show links um, for that link to Exoskin. Also, big thank you to Tannery Outdoors. If you're interested, use uh, the promo code ULTRA10 for 10% off. But this is just a great company. You know, it's designed for runners by runners. Uh, The founder is an ultra runner. And it's an all-natural mineral-based product, which in this era of of sunscreen recalls and everything taking place there, it's just comforting knowing um, this this is a a good, honest company. And 
Um, it, it cares about the ultra running community. It cares about the trails and in the national parks and state parks. I think 1% of their sales goes back into the park systems and they, they definitely support, you know, some really great ultra runners and ultra running podcasts. I mean, do you find that you get to drive some of the inspiration or are you like taking 50 inspirational stories or whatever content pieces and like having to kind of strategize where to fit those into the the overall distribution of your content yeah i would say as it relates to the day-to-day editorial that is where our amazing editor-in-chiefs and editors really drive that. Um, they plan the content based on the audience needs or what's trending. Um, so we're really fortunate to have very talented editors um, plan that. I would say where I really hope is yet yeah, more to shape around how all of this comes together to deliver a really um, cohesive um outside interactive experience and membership offering. Um, and um, so more from a holistic customer experience perspective and how we go to market to, um, you know, obtain then for a, a membership uh, relationship. So um, I don't want to divulge any of my uh, business ideas. With <laughs> hey, <laughs> but, I like um, ideas. <laughs> um how how much of this is high tech? How how much of what you are doing is going from tra- traditional media to just wherever the consumption happens, which is becoming higher tech, just as mm-hmm. the general populace has more technology and and yeah. everything like that. I would say it's critical to what we're creating. Um, I would say a lot of our you know, uh, brands we've acquired certainly started in more traditional media and actually in print advertising. And, um, you know, no same reason why we're doing a podcast today. People consume content in many different forms and ways these days. So really taking these brands and, and turning them into modern media outlets um, is a key strategy. And to do that, you have to have yeah, a platform that can deliver on, on that. And that is, you know, primarily driven from mobile first, um, and across a multitude of different, um, you know, media outlets, let it be podcasts, video, certainly continue down articles, but even what we're doing in social or even syndicating across other platforms. So that is, Partly our big focus right now is building that foundation to make a modern media experience that then ultimately delivers on what we believe will become a very premium membership experience. So the only aspect in this is something that I am personally taking my own brand into, hopefully, uh, is in-person experience Mm -hmm. because media can only go so far until you're face-to-face with an actual experience. Is that something outside interactive is going to venture into eventually, or are you always going to be sort of one step removed from that sharing it kind of virtually or or however that 
uh, content is shared? Well, we actually put on some events today, um, and we own a company called Roll Massif, which is our cycling events in the physical world. Um, based in, um, we put on the events all throughout Colorado. Um, we also Didn't know that. I apologize. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, like I said, we've acquired a lot over the last year and a half. Um, we also have an entity called Athlete Reg which is um, for bike, run, dry. Um, so we, you know, that's a normal event registration platform. And so we, you know, provide access now to all the events being put on and people can sign up through our platform. But I would say our future vision of membership, although primarily driven through, you know, maybe some of our digital services and, um, utilities. Um, it's really meant to deliver an experience around content, utility, commerce, and experiences. Because, you know, just like you said, especially active people who participate in events, like to have goals, and then, of course, participate by start, you know, lining up at the starting line, or um, maybe it's even being able to go for a special hike with our editors one day because of the membership access. Or we put on um, our film events with Warren Miller where maybe it's not about participating, it's about being inspired for the, the upcoming ski season. And so we host um, the, you know, the viewing of the Warren Miller film at your lake, local theater, for example. So we we believe that that full... Um, experience across all of those different, you know, opportunities is what is going to, you know, not only drive our membership, but engage our audience the best. I mean, what, what are you most excited about? Cause you're doing a lot. You guys have so many different new directions you're going. You mm -hmm. have tons of, I mean, down to like GPS capabilities, yeah. like huge amounts of data like you know the the membership is going to grow in value to each one of us um that subscribes as things keep growing um because i'm like a lot of people i get very interested in one thing maybe it's training for a marathon and then it's mm -hmm. i'm going for a 50 miler now i'm on my bike you know now i'm going to film festivals like it just I'm kind of jumping around a little bit with outdoors. I'm sure I'm pretty normal um, with that regard. I mean, what are you most excited about? Because it seems like this membership is going to offer a bunch of different, it, it already offers a bunch of different yeah. areas. Yeah. Like what area, I guess, are you most excited about? Well, first and foremost, I'm most excited you know, around bringing this whole experience to fruition. Um, I would say we're at, you know, in very early phase of that. And, and it's more about what it represents. Um, it's similar to what you were just saying. It's more the fact that we have an opportunity to get people to try new activities that maybe they've never tried before or get become a little bit more knowledgeable. So they might want to like sign up for a marathon versus, you know, just doing the 5k and there's something very motivating and gratifying around helping um the community at large be more active because 
you know, just what the reason why I run or probably the reason why you like to um, work out is because it makes you feel better. Um, and it's a, a mental outlet, um, which we all, you know, I think value more than ever before today. Um, and then an area that I'm most excited about, um, I would say, you know, my background also is building brand experiences. I worked at Nike for 10 years and, and, and then went into, I would say more traditional e-commerce when I worked at finish line. And we have an opportunity to kind of bridge that content and commerce, um, experience in a way that isn't about being a big retail outlet, but really to equip the end user to be able to participate. Um, so not only are we giving you the content to inspire you and educate, but really equip you, um, it, you know, in many different ways. So you, you can go out and try, um, some of these activities. So I would say I'm really looking forward to that as well, but Ultimately, just seeing all of this come together into a very easy and um, motivational experience to get people active. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, the reason I'm just so excited about in-person events is because if it's a running event, for example, there's so many stories that come from just one race. They it just mm -hmm. organically derives so much content just because people are, are fascinated. Like I want to watch video clips of that race. I want to hear interviews before and after hear how people's event went, you know, some, some people have the best performance ever. Some people yeah. have a one-off thing happen. Like there's just a lot that happens. Um, and it just organically, um, creates content that doesn't feel like you're trying to force it. It just, it's just the natural fallout. Like people want to hear more about what happened. Um, from yeah. interesting and inspiring people. Exactly. So. Yeah, no, you, you learn so much from the community, um, and not just, yeah, articles we're writing and we do, yeah, we cover events also like from our outside TV platform. And to your point, like, a lot of times you just want to hear from the athletes, you know, what went wrong, what went great. And you can then internalize that into how you can apply that to your own, let it be training or, you know, future race yourself. So one, one last kind of nerdier question, how high tech can this get? Can we start incorporating artificial intelligence to know what, I, you know, who I'm following on Twitter, what Instagram photos I'm liking, integrate that mm -hmm. social component so that when I go into my membership in three years, the algorithms, which get a negative connotation yeah. most of the time, but they can be helpful, um, start picking out those Anton video interviews and those mm -hmm. Addy uh, clips from run rabbit run 100. Like it starts picking up on who I follow and starts aggregating content, you know, into a, a source for my, my single membership with you guys. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, sometimes I would say, you know, let it be collecting people's browsing behavior or, or you know, understanding that can feel creepy, but as you're just calling out there. It's very common place today. If you think about in the world of social media, you only get really served what they believe is 
uh, stuff that you are interested in based on your browsing habits, right? I mean, so many times you go to a website and I'm amazed within seconds you're getting an ad for that same thing. Um, our intent, though, is really about, first and foremost, us you telling us what you're most interested in. So let it be sport activities, let it be different nutritional um, aspects, um, or and eventually gear. And we'll start to curate, because you, as you can imagine with all of our brands, there's a vast variety where too much choice can be somewhat challenging too. Yeah. So, you know, it first starts with you telling us, and then, you know, certainly um, we have intentions and of knowing what you have told us you liked um, or disliked and serving either more of that or less of that. Um, and over time, you know, getting smarter based on your interactions with our platform to make sure that we are giving you the most relevant experience possible without the losing sight of the ability to just discover um, things that maybe we wouldn't have known that you wanted. But um, so all of that is, you know, the end goal to just really more to deliver on a, a premium relevant experience um, with no other in you know plan around the customer data. It's purely just yeah. to um, make your experience better. I I think that's key. Is like right now a lot of media outlets. It's so clunky. It's like the Model T car. Like people can't quite see through how a lot of this stuff is actually going to make our lives a lot mm. better down the road just because we're seeing a lot of the initial kind of clunky negative uh, issues. I think it will get worked out. I believe it will. Um, but I think it will be very, very cool once you start, you know, seeing that someone's running trails with this much vert and this is like generally they're in Colorado all of a sudden, the content you get is going to be immersive and mm -hmm. enjoyable and inspiring, which I don't think people put with, like, algorithms helping right. you get inspired. But no, I think no. it will go down that road. Yeah, our job is, yeah, our job is to show it through content. <laughs> um, we never have to use the word algorithm with our end user. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, the, the whole point is, yes, to put the most relevant content experience um, and utility in front of the end user to just, you know, enable them to do more activity or to connect with others that do, you know, um, something similar. So and, and then to do that in a way that is super simple and um, easy to use, because at the end of the day, those are the companies that will win um, because people don't have a whole lot of time. Um, these days. And so you've got to make it fast and easy um, and fun, ultimately. I mean, that leads naturally to a question on how do you balance things? From your perspective, how do you pick something? In my experience, is YouTube with people eating things that no human should ever eat. Just kind of crazy, like, videos that get a bunch of clicks and views versus quality. Um, oh, yeah. We talk how, a lot how, about that. <laughs> how do you balance that? Because, I mean, I have firsthand experience in, in YouTube. If I were to put out a video that was like 
clickbait, shocking, like I'd get five times more views easily, mm-hmm. easily. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't want to do that and lose subscribers and put people through that experience of of seeing the like shock value stuff. Yeah. So we do talk a lot about that. I guess that's partly how we are evolving for what I would say would have been a more traditional media company looking for, you know, pure traffic, frankly, to deliver impressions. And that's the beauty of creating um, also a membership platform where our intent is to certainly provide quality. um, So premium content that isn't about clickbait and it's really about to immerse you into whatever you know you find valuable and let that might be a great how-to video to like fix your own bike it could be um a training series um you know to help you train for your next endeavor um or maybe an ultra (laughs) (laughs) and then or maybe just a um a story on a you know some kind of culture topic that you know, brings you behind the scenes. Um, And so that's really where we're focused. And certainly, you know, same with our video content overall, more of this episodic type content that you might find on Netflix, but think of it in the sports world or active enthusiast. Um, So that is the beauty of evolving a, you know, traditional media outlet into a, a membership platform is, we're going to be less reliant on just driving Peace traffic. Traffic, yeah. I mean, at what point is where's the tipping point with memberships finally hitting um, a point where it's attractive to advertisers? Because it's hard to do both. You know, if people pay for a membership, there sometimes there's the thought like, oh, like there shouldn't be this many ads. But how do you? balance that aspect and if you need to talk to your daughter oh, whoever, you can I don't tell mind. okay if you no, don't mind. That's, that's no problem i don't know where it is right now so just give me can you use that i can't take it with me well you're going to the store so you'll be fine is um, it a tab is it a tablet issue it's a yeah it's a, a phone issue <laughs> oh my god so, I just buy I buy things in threes now, or twos. I'm sorry, twos. twos. I only have two kids. Yes, um, no, it's a, a constant. <laughs> I'm telling you, electronics. I'm sure every parent out there can attest. It's it's not always it's a not a fun topic. It it's perfect. <laughs> I, I love this because this is what my podcast is all about. I mean that that brings up a good question. My kids like the trails. They like hiking. My son's actually doing some track-related stuff. Do you think outside will um, become a outlet for some some more child-like related content, like a Nickelodeon, and then having Nick Jr.? Yeah, I mean, we have ideas around creating. Yeah, more of like let it be family plans or just content to if you're a backpacker consumer or, um, you know, an audience. Um, and here are some tips and tricks to entertain your children on a hike or games to play. Because as you know, maybe going for long walks or hikes, isn't their most favorite, but if you can entertain them in a new way, they're very excited to participate. So, um, Yes. Family plan's a cool idea. Yeah. So, you know, that is the intent is to make sure that we're offering 
um, a variety of different inspiration and content for um, the entire family. I'm going to ask just a few more questions. I really appreciate your time. I know you've probably worked all day. Do you get your run in this morning? Today was actually a swimming day, believe it or okay. not. <laughs> Ironic. Um, take me back to the Olympic trials. So when you finally get to that point, I mean, how, how high pressure did that event feel to you? Did you feel like this is your one chance or were you just celebrating it and your whole like competitive perspective had kind of been shifted by uh, birth of your first two children? Um, when I look back on the trials, it was very much a celebration for me. Um, I think it was like the culmination of all my hard work um, because I worked really hard to, to get there, right? It, it was a lot of good races and really bad races and just, you know, so um, qualifying was ultimately what my, my goal was and I, I was there to celebrate. Um, and I went into it just, yeah, excited. I frankly wasn't very nervous. And I think one is because I was coming off that really great race where I did qualify. So I knew my fitness was there. I was excited, frankly, that my, you know, my family was with me and that they got to experience it because they really, you know, kind of treated you as if you were Olympian, you know, when you showed up because they had a special you know, let it be dinner or, um, conference and you're just surrounded by obviously the top U S runners. Um, and so it was just flat out fun, you know? So I would say I went into that race, um, feeling confident, but at the same time, not stressed over a time anymore because I had already accomplished the time. Um, and so that was a nice feeling is just to run by feel and to enjoy the moment. Um, and I remember crossing that finish line and with one sense of relief, because I was like, oh, I get to stop training for a while, um, to, um, you know, just like kind of sad it was over, of course. Um, but just, I guess, proud that I did it, you know, and that was what I was, had spent so many years wanting and training for to actually, you know, walk away saying, okay, I accomplished what my goal was. It was a pretty was a amazing giant victory lap. Yeah. It was yeah. a giant victory lap. Um, do you think you'll ever run an ultra? Oh, that's a good question. I do have, I have contemplated running, uh, the rim to rim. Um, I felt like I like to see things more through running than I do just visiting as a tourist. So I thought, That'd be a great way to see the Grand Canyon. Um, but it's so funny because I spent so many years running the marathon as fast as I could to be done. So it's a different mindset for me. Um, and then if I did it, it would be for like definitely to experience a certain landscape that I wanted to see because that's how I treat marathons today. It's more like a destination race. Um, versus, you know, going after totally. some time. So I, I will never, I will never say never, um, but not right this second. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard with kids too. Yeah. I mean, finding, you know, for you, it'd probably be five hours for a 50 K or less, but, um, 
uh, it would be a lot less than five hours, depending on the race. Yeah, I don't even was, know the times of ultras marathons very and, well. Oh, and people don't really care that much right. in this world, which <laughs> is good. really weird. Um, and and so, just a few quicker random questions. I mean, who's the most inspiring person to you right now? And maybe what's what's some words of wisdom that someone has shared with you that you know you take to heart still you know having heard it a while back uh, that's a good question i had to think there for a second i would say probably the most relevant for me right now is someone like allison felix um as uh you know someone who obviously is very accomplished in her running um olympic you know um medalists in multitude of events and i think at one time you know fought the whole debate around having a child and not being sponsored um, to coming back even stronger, but I would say more impressionable than ever before. Um, and so I find that very inspiring because it helps other women see that one is you can have kids and still be um, successful and frankly, even more successful um, and I find her admiring because she's using her um, kind of position in the sport world and being a mother um, to give to share a greater message to the female, um, you know, community at large. And so I find that inspiring um, that we can all, you know, see ourselves a little bit in her if if you're um let it be a runner or just someone that is trying to juggle having children and work, um, that women can accomplish great things. I love it. So words of wisdom from maybe a mentor or just an inspirational person in your life. Um, I guess I'll put you on the spot. Like if you mess up their quote, well, I would say they're going to call you. No, I'm just yeah. I wouldn't say I have the perfect quote. Um, well, I guess from Robin, he, he likes to say, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it, um, which is true, right? And so although what we're doing is um, a lot of work and a lot of integration and a lot of teams coming together, um, I guess my words of wisdom is, you know, value people's strengths um, and kind of be patient in the process and as you know, the the greater company comes together. It's a extraordinary what we can create. But it it is that it's together, not one individual. So I think that's the key thing that I remember and tell myself, and what um, I try to remind the teams. And frankly, it. it's it's everywhere, right? So um, it is about teamwork. I love it. I, I just explained that to my son. I'm like, it doesn't matter who you are. There's every single person has a talent mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of, can you see it and, and do they see it and realize right. it, but, or if they found it yet, but it's, it's a beautiful thing. Once you realize every single person on the planet has a talent mm -hmm. and it's a matter of, can you find it and do they even know it? Have they tried it? Um, so Speaking of talents, I have a intern, Sarah, who's helping behind the scenes a ton. She's asked, how do I, and she asked this point blank, like, 
how do I get an internship? How do I get a, a foot in the door at a big media company? Yours being a perfect example. There's probably hundreds of people that will listen to, to this interview and ask themselves the same question. They are inspired by the outdoors. They love one of your magazines or one of your videos that you guys put out or whatever it is. And they want to eventually work towards um, being part of your team. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for that person? Whether they're in college, whether they're 65 and retired and wanting to try something different. Like, I have no idea. Um, what what do you think makes, like, a, a great candidate in this just totally new job environment that we live in? Yeah, I would say... I mean, the beauty of us building um, all of this from all different backgrounds, right? Some people come from traditional publishing. Some people come from, you know, like Robin and our chief product officer worked on Matt My Fitness, which was Matt My Run and Ride. So they're they have come more from a utility background. Me, maybe e-commerce. Others like pure marketing. The, the amazing thing of what we're building, it, it ser certainly serves a vast variety of different um, career opportunities. Um, and so the advice I would get is uh, give someone maybe in school or looking for internship is start to narrow in on what they believe is going uh, like the field they want to dabble in, because um, that's really important, right? You can't do all things. And so start to narrow in on a path. And then start to see, you know, is, let's say if you're in, in interested in editorial, do you have a personal blog where you could start showcasing some of your, you know, written talents? Um, are you active on social media? So how are you building a social media presence? Um, if you're into marketing, you know, have you maybe done some training on Google AdWords or, um, you know, Again, going back to social in in um, social advertising, there's a lot of things SEO, you yeah. yeah exactly SEO training. There's a lot of things that you can actually learn today that don't even necessarily come straight out of a college course, and it's a lot of times just um, that experience that really helps you get your foot in the door and and showcasing what you can do. You know, we are, although big, we're still like, I, we call ourselves still like somewhat of a startup because we're creating something new. Um, if you, you know, you're motivated, you um, can be very solution oriented. Um, a lot of that helps um, because we wear many hats and we're, we like, you know, people getting things done and working with others to do that. So, you know, I think it's, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me and it's not just about getting a job. It's like getting really narrow into what is it that you want to do? And then what steps do you need to take to, you know, follow that career path? But I would say, because even my own, you know, um, just because you start in one area doesn't mean that's where you're going to end up. And so, oh, okay. um, just, I thought you were talking about your kids. No, no, like, no. They're already asking about internships. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, actually, they would take one at YouTube or <laughs> right now. <laughs> Mine so, too. <laughs> yes. 
So anyways, you know, there's no perfect path and it's not just about getting the latest degree either. It's really about how can you tap into creating some experience out there and that is through social. It's it's you know, doing some blogs. Um, you know, uh you know, doing some shadow, you know, career moves um and understanding you know, all the different aspects that it takes to put on the next marketing program or um, whatever it might be, but that is the beauty of what we're creating. It's not just in publishing anymore. It is, you know, publishing, utility, commerce, um, you know, ultimately driving this membership. I mean, so I have two more questions and all I can say is I'm excited because you're redefining media. Mm -hmm. There's been this big vacuum left by, everything getting kind of decentralized and now it's getting re-aggregated and it's exciting because you are inventing the future of media right now. Um, and apparently it's interactive. So that's uh, good to know. And I mean, I'm excited at the direction that outdoor is going. I think, um, I think outside outdoor, generally speaking, um, and I think outside itself is going to grow tremendously mm -hmm. uh, over the next few years. Where where do you see the company in five years? And then I want to hear where you see yourself personally as a runner, as as a president and COO, as a mom and, and wife. Where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, so for the company, um, I'll start there first. You know, I see outside being a household name. Um, I would say, yes, Outside Magazine is fairly known with certain generations, but um, it's not known, you know, across a multitude of generations. Um, and so I see Outside and the membership it's going to deliver ultimately being a household name and being known for delivering um, the ultimate membership experience to fuel your next activity. Um and so that's ultimately what we're trying to create. And uh, we know we have building blocks to get there, but that's where I really see it in five years that when I say I work for outside, they're not just associating that to outside magazine. Um, and then the younger generation knows immediately what I'm, what I do um, or who I work for. Just like let it be a, a name like Nike or something like that. Um, Personally, um, you know, I see myself continuing to, you know, be a part of this journey to bring that to fruition and growing my teams to, um, you know, to, to create those building blocks, right? They're the ones that have amazing ideas um, and certainly the expertise in their fields to help bring this vision to life. Um, so... I very much see myself as um, an important pillar to this, um, you know, progression of an of, of our organization. As a runner, um, you know, I still get as much joy out of running as I did, you know, ten years ago. Um, I don't see myself ever competing at a, a super high level for time anymore. I think events will always be in my um, future, but a variety of events um, that are more, you know, experiential. So yeah, 
seeing a city in a way that I've never seen it before by signing up for a race. But honestly, like a lot of my joy now comes watching my kids participate in these sports. So they're swim teamers. They are, you know, running. We actually um, have a cross country race Sunday morning this weekend. And I get so much joy watching them, you know, go through that runner's pain, (laughs) Um, particularly after they cross the finish line and they think they're, you know, the world's just come to an end. And I have to remind them that it's short term pain Uh, and, and, and watch them persevere. It's, it's actually probably the most rewarding thing now as a parent. Um, So that's really, you know, what I look forward to is, continuing down my career and my passion for sport, but watching my kids enjoy it as much as I have throughout the years. I I love watching kids run. <laughs> like you can tell internal governors take time to develop because <laughs> they yeah. always go out with everything. And I mean, part of me uh, wishes I never lost that because it's, <laughs> it's beautiful. And also painful. Yeah. Um, so no fear, right? They have no fear because they have no idea how they, bad it's going to hurt. <laughs> they've, they've never had any failures. Right. So they cannot be fearful of failure or whatever could happen. Um, and I, I truly think in a few years, you should time out your, uh, your IPO with the New York City Marathon. Um, maybe like the day after to see you kind of hobble up there and try to try to. <laughs> open the stock exchange at some point. Um, I, I truly see big things for all the directions you guys are taking things. And I love the inspirational content. So that's what I'm all about. You can share all kinds of stories, but when it comes down to it, what what I'll sign up for, my membership is for inspirational stories. And um, you are one of those. So thank you for joining me. Yep. And uh where can we follow you on social media? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, I'm D at, um, on Instagram. Um, so I would say that's the primary. And then certainly on LinkedIn, you can find me as Danielle Katraki, which is Q-U-A-T-R-O-C-H-I. Hence why everyone calls me DQ. That's easier to say. So between those two <laughs> things, that's the best place. <laughs> I love it. We're going to get you set up with like a link tree or something here shortly. Um, <laughs> take care and thank you again. I know your time's very valuable. I could have talked to you for another few hours and uh, just very appreciative of you taking all this time. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it too. Good luck to you. And that was episode 189. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you to Danielle for taking so much of her time. I know she's a super busy president and CEO of a company mom of three and a runner putting in her daily miles so amongst everything in her life i just really appreciated you know all that time that she gave us here today big thank you to you patreon supporters you guys make this all work i really enjoy the closed facebook group conversations you get sneak peeks before the episodes are released and those are without commercials and just generally we're putting together a patreon first hat so we're going to put together a trucker hat some other things so you guys already know but i just really appreciate you guys you make this all work and big thank you again to exoskin tannery outdoors and the john wayne cancer foundation their grit series 
most importantly, don't forget to enjoy your training. See you soon. Watch me, watch me